Hello, it's Mrs B and I'm here today to talk to my Year 11s about economic growth. So before we start, let's check the syllabus to make sure we know what it is we need to know. Okay, so we need to know about what what we mean by economic growth, how we measure it, definition of GDP, gross domestic product, difference between real, nominal and real GDP per capita, the measurement of economic growth, how do we go about doing that, importance of real GDP per capita, capita what you know why is that such an important measure what the limitations are of gdp as a measure and what determines long-term growth and the costs and benefits of economic growth why we're so interested in it so in order to think about growth we're going to go back to the circular flow of income think about how that uh, circular flow gets bigger or gets smaller if it gets bigger then economic growth has occurred so think back to that and think how it was op- how it was set out so we basically had our output made by our firms which then our um, households would purchase expenditure so the output was equal to the expenditure because the output was produced people purchased it once that the households made those purchases they then became somebody else's income so we can think of our uh, growth as either the total spending in the economy the total expenditure the total output or the total income. Okay, so that's how we can think of it. Now, in order to find out whether we've grown, bear in mind, uh, economic growth is the increase in capacity to produce goods and services in the economy. So it's an increase in the actual capacity, what we actually produce, and it's also an increase in the potential capacity. In order to do that, we use GDP to measure it. And GDP is the market value of all final goods and services produced within a country in a year. Okay, now by market value, we mean that we add up the grand total of everything that was produced in Australia and see how much it's worth. Okay, that's what we do. Now, things have to be produced. Now, the the values that we use are its market price. Okay, now in a competitive market, um, that that means that the uh, it's equal to its marginal benefit. So the market price is equal to the marginal benefit. So that's what we use to calculate the market value. We include all final goods and services. So not intermediate goods, only final goods. They have to be produced in the time period and in the country. So if I bought, for example, a new sofa from Harvey Norman that was produced in Australia, that would be included in the GDP figure. If that uh, sofa was was made overseas, only the part of the price that was service related would actually count. If I go on to sell that, say for second hand to somebody else, that sale is not included. It has to be included within Australia, produced within Australia, and it has to be produced within the timescale, which we normally say is a year. And we tend to look at GDP figures every quarter and the percentage change that has occurred. Our target, of course, being 3.5% GDP growth across the 12 months. Okay. Now, so we've got three perspectives that we can use for measuring our GDP. So the first one is we measure total spending, total expenditure. And all we do is we add up all the spending in the economy, C plus I plus G plus X minus M, and that tells us what our GDP actually is. 
We include in there new inventories, new stock. So if stock is made this year but not actually sold, we leave that. That actually goes into this year's figures. If somebody purchases it the following year, it will not go into next year's figures because it's already been included in this year's. Remember that C plus I plus G plus X minus M is consumption, spending by households, investment, spending by firms on capital goods, G, government spending, and X minus M, net exports. That's all the products we've got, services we've sold. Take away the value of everything we bought in to give us a net position. In our government spending, it's worth noting we don't include what we call transfer payments. Transfer payments are payments to people for things like unemployment benefits. Okay, We don't include those because there is no productive activity taking place. It is simply a transfer of money from government to an individual via Centrelink. Perspective two is to look at it as total output. So from this, we just add up the total output in the economy. And that tells us what's being made and by whom. So we can see who is contributing to our growth. Perspective three is to look at its total income. Now, this is particularly useful because we can then find out what the total income is per capita. So how much income is being generated per person in the economy. And it's worth noting that if the population increases, the GDP figure will go up because there's more spending, because there's more people. However, the income per person, per capita, may not increase. So it's possible to have achieved growth, but not an increase in the standard of living. And that's very important because in uh, Australia in the last few years, we've seen our population growing much quicker than we had anticipated. And so we've had growth, but some of the growth has been as a consequence of the population increasing rather than because of improved efficiency. Okay, now you can use a couple of models to demonstrate that growth has taken place. You could revert back to our GDP, our PPF, sorry, model, our production possibility frontier, and show it shifting outwards to show that the potential output has grown. Or alternatively, you can use the ADAS, the aggregate demand, aggregate supply model. And that you can use to show the aggregate demand curve shifting right, or the aggregate supply curve shifting right, or both. And in which case, you will see growth occurring. Now, there's a variety of limitations to GDP and we need to be aware of what's not included or things that are over-exaggerated. So, uh, we're using prices, not values. And not everybody has, not everything has a price in the world, but does have a value. For example, Snapchat. Snapchat is free to use for those people who want to use it. Personally, I can't understand it, as many people know. But it is actually valued at something because there's shares. So, it gives a false impression. Non-market activities, they're not included. So, for example, people cleaning their own homes, doing their own laundry, all those things with lots of productive time being used is not included. Black economy or shadow economy is not included. So all of those things taking place, illegal activities, babysitting, a whole raft of things do not get included. Environmental damage. We all know that where there's been high growth in some countries, there's also been a huge problem with air pollution. So we don't include it because, of course, that is an externality and the market doesn't take it into account. Leisure time doesn't count. If I want to spend more time at home than at work, that's seen to be unproductive. So it's not counted into my GDP figure. It ignores the distribution of income. 
Okay, so the assumption is that if GDP rises, that we are all better off. Well, of course, we're not. Some people are significantly better off. Some people are not. And uh, in many cases, in the last few decades, the rich have become increasingly rich and the poor haven't benefited at all. But it's still a useful measure as a, a measure of living standards. There are a whole raft of alternatives, but it is still a useful way of us measuring our GDP. And the truth, and the, this, the figures show that those countries with high GDP tend to have better facilities, better healthcare, better education, and they also tend to be freer and more democratic um, places to live with good systems of government. Big thing we need to know about is the difference between real and nominal GDP. Now, nominal GDP is calculated at today's prices or current prices. So we have to calculate that first before we can do anything else. The problem is if you've got inflation or deflation, it actually will give you a false impression of what's going on. So if you've got very high inflation, the GDP figures will appear to have grown very quickly. But of course, not, you haven't really seen economic growth. What you've seen is prices being inflated and therefore inflating the GDP figure. So a more useful measure is our real GDP. And what we do there is we measure it at constant prices because we take off the effects of inflation. So in order to calculate that, you would calculate the change in nominal GDP you would then calculate the inflation rate, the change in the CPI index, and you would take the inflation rate from the nominal growth rate, and that tells you what the real rate of GDP growth is. And we use that all the time. So when we're looking at GDP figures, we're actually talking about real GDP figures. All right, so things that contribute to economic growth. So our potential rate of growth is determined by the stock of natural resources, human and capital resources that we can use in our production process. So we need to consider both the quality and quantity of our factors of production. So the actual growth will depend on our willingness to actually buy goods and services. We can use an aggregate production function to show how the if we become more efficient, that we will have a greater output for the same number of inputs and therefore growth will take place. So in order to see long-term growth, we need to find new resources, find better quality resources. We need to train up our uh, labour, human capital, to make it more efficient. And we need to be looking to introduce new technology so that we can produce more with the same resources. Benefits of growth, higher material living standards. We produce more, expenditure goes up, income goes up, we're all better off. We get better quality goods and services, increased choice, greater employment opportunities, and growth creates further growth. Governments benefit, lots of taxes, which they can then use to improve our quality of life through healthcare, education, public goods such as parks, merit goods such as education, they can build transport infrastructure and so on. But there is an inflation risk. So if we start to grow too quickly, we'll end up with demand pull inflation, which is not a good thing as we know. There's lots of environmental concerns about uh, economic growth. China and India both being good examples where huge levels of economic growth have taken place over the last 30 years. And they have both led to very significant problems with air pollution, which then has significant health costs damage to social welfare 
as we have become more prosperous through, lo- through our economic growth, we start to consume goods and services that we may not want to, for the good of society. Fast foods, alcohol, smoking, and so on. Those things are happening. Be- well, some of the reasons are because we have become more prosperous and therefore we have more money to spend on these things. Inequality and in income. The richer we get, the more prosperous, doesn't mean that everybody benefits and we need to be mindful that everybody gets a slice of the cake. It can also lead to structural change in our economy, so some sectors becoming more important than others. So, for example, as we have become more prosperous in Australia, we've started to consume more services. As we've we've got consumed more services, it's resulted in more jobs and more of our GDP being in services, and an over-reliance sometimes on those sectors of the economy, which can, when things change, lead to what we call structural unemployment. So it's not all uh, negative. There's costs and benefits to growth, and we need to be mindful with the both. That's really, in a nutshell, what we're talking about when we're, when we're talking about economic growth. Uh, it should answer all the questions you've got. If you've got any questions, please email me or come and see me in class and I'll see what I can do to help. Thanks for listening.